Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Church, I want to read to you a scripture this morning, and it's not the one I have planned, and so don't even worry about putting up the, uh, the, me- the message notes. And the... It's a really good message. I tried to preach it last week and uh, didn't get to it. I really was planning on doing it this week. Still not going to get to it. The great thing about that is, is I still have a message planned for the following week. Come on, somebody. Woo! Right? And so, uh, so it's working out well for me, and uh, we will get to it. Honestly, it is a great message. It's a part of our Experiencing God series. Um, but one of the prayers that we set out as, as pastors, as a staff in this series, is we didn't just want to talk about experiencing God. Uh, we truly want to experience the presence of God. Amen? And so I don't know how many of you are, you know, you go to church or maybe you're new to church, but that's one of the prayers we have here at Campus Church is that on, on Sunday morning, if we just come to learn, which we should, and it's good, and we want to grow in our faith, that's always the point. Uh, but, but one of the ways we can grow is literally by experiencing the presence of God in these moments. And so uh, that's one of our prayers here at Campus Church is that that would take place and uh, that you would see God move in a, in a mighty way. That's what I'm praying for our young people. If you weren't here earlier, we have a, a, young, a youth camp coming up starting tomorrow morning. And so I want to ask you, Canvas Church, would you be praying Monday through Thursday for these young people? Um, it's going to be an awesome time, powerful time, lots of fun, out-of-this-world games as well. Um, I, I told Caleb and Joe, because I used to be a youth pastor for 12 years, I said, if a kid doesn't come home with a broken bone, then we weren't, we weren't playing hard. <laughs> so just pray that it's not your kid, all right, that comes home that night. Uh, but, uh, man, it's going to be fun. It's outrageous games. got a great line of speakers just ready to go. Uh, we're going to experience God. Experience God. But this morning, I want to read you this scripture out of 2 Kings chapter 4. It's actually one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament. I've actually preached from it several times. But this morning, as we're in this moment of just kind of sharing what I believe God was saying, I was reminded of this passage. And so I want you to walk away with not just experiencing God, but just a few tangibles, if you don't mind. And so I want to read you 2 Kings chapter 4. And, uh, and we'll start verse we'll just start verse 9. No, we'll start verse 8. I don't know if I can get more light on stage, if that's possible. Uh, the older I get, the worse my eyes get. Either that or it's the lighting. Hopefully it's the lighting. I don't know if I have like a big bright light that shines this way. But. 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 8. One day, Elisha went to Shunem. A prominent woman who lived there uh, persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. And he said to her husband, I know that that one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So let's make a small room upstairs and put a bed, a table, and a chair and a lamp there for him whenever he comes. He can stay there. Who is this holy man of God? His name is Elisha. And Elisha is a prophet in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, when you see a prophet, um, this literally is a, 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 a foreshadow, a typology of the presence of God in the New Testament. So these prophets would actually carry the presence of God with them. So it wouldn't just be they ministered and gave words, but literally it was like the presence of God was on them. And so she recognizes this and wants to do something about it. Verse 11. So one day he came there and stopped and went to the room upstairs to lie down. What room was that? This is the one she built, right, with her stuff. She she took time. She took preparation. She took materials. And she built this room uh, for, uh, for this man to live in, which tells us this, that we can't make God move in our lives. And we talked about this in our last series. We can't make God move in our lives. There's nothing you can do and I can do to make God do something. But we can't make room for God to move in our lives. Are you with me? 
big difference. And I, I think sometimes that, that, that through prayer and through church attendance and through living righteous and doing our best, we think that we can make God do something in our lives when that's not really what's happening. But, but through prayer, uh, through being around other believers in church and through reading scripture and through worshiping, what we're actually doing is creating this beautiful platform for God's presence to come and move and do something very cool in our lives. And so she does that. And so in verse 12, he ordered um, his attendant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her, and she stopped before him, uh, stood before him. Then he said to Gehazi, say to her, look, you have, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on uh, your behalf to uh, the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I'm, I'm living among my own people. I'm good. So he asked, well, then what, what should be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway. Elisha said, at this moment next year, you will have a son in your arms. Then she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not, do not deceive your servant. And the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year as Elisha had promised. What just happened? That is a miracle. That is supernatural. That is crazy, right? Here she is. She just goes, you know, I, I want to make a place for the presence of God to inhabit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make room for God to move. I'm not making room for God to move so that I get something specific. I have no request. I have no desire. I just... I just want God. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. But yet here the man of God comes and he inhabits this place that she took time to build and she put thought into. And, and now because she's entreated the man of God, the man of God is like, I want to do something for you. And can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, oftentimes that's the way it works in this spiritual journey. That, that, that when once we get our eyes off of what we want and we get our eyes on God and just building a place for God to inhabit, watch out. Something supernatural begins to happen. I'm telling you right now, I've seen it time and time again, whether, uh, whether it's something personal in my life or for the church. The minute I take my eyes off God and get my eyes on something I'm trying to create or something I'm trying to build, it is like I just zap the presence of God out of it. But when I begin to get my eyes on God and focus on Him and just say, God, I don't care what you do, I just want you. Are you with me? I don't care what you do, God, I just want you. And that was her heart. I, I, don't, need, I, don't, need, I don't need you to talk to the king. I don't need you to talk to the commander of armies. I don't need anything. Listen to her. And then the man of God takes a little bit first says, I want to do something for you. And discovers that she's never had a child. So when she's standing there now, her true heart's desire comes out. You see it. Because she says, hold on a second. No, 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 no. no. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't promise me something I really wanted. Don't lie to me. Are you with me? In verse, verse 18, the child grew. The child came, like Elisha said. The child grew. And one day went out of his, uh, to his father and the harvesters. Suddenly, he complained to his father, my head, my head. And his father told his servant, carry him to his, uh, to his mother. So he picked him up and took him to his mother. And the child sat on her lap until noon and then died. And then she went up and laid, uh, laid him on the, man of, uh, the bed of the man of God and shut him in and left. Think about that for a moment. Just, just kind of put that dark out of your mind. 22, she summoned her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can bury the man of God and then come back. But, but he said, why go to him today? It is not new moon or Sabbath. And she replied, everything is all right. In other words, her husband is saying this. Hold on a second. There's something wrong with this picture. Our son just died and you want to go to the man of God. It's not that season. It's not that time. What time was it? In his eyes, it was time for a funeral. 
This time, in his eyes, it was time to bury. Look, you have the promise for 12 years. Listen, you need to, you need to just face the facts that, that, that it's over. He's dead. Let's bury him. Why are you going to the man, the man of God? Then she sat, uh, excuse me, verse 23. But he said, why go to him today? It's not a new move of She replied, everything is all right. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, hurry, don't slow the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went out, went to the man of God, Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to his attendant, Gehazi, look, there is the Shunammite woman. Run out to meet her and, and ask, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? And listen to what she says and she answered everything. Is all right. Don't worry. You know that song? Oh no, we're in church. That's right. About a thing. When she came up to the man of God at the mountain, she clung to his feet. Gehazi came to push her away, but the man of God said, "Leave her alone. She is in severe anguish, and the Lord has hidden it from me. He hasn't told me." And then she said, "Did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, do not deceive me?" And so Elisha said to Gehazi, "Tell." Your mantle under your belt. Take my staff with you and go. If you meet anyone, don't stop. Don't bring him. And if the man greets you, don't answer him. Then place my staff on the boy's face. And the boy's mother said to Elijah, I love this, Elisha, as the Lord lives and as your uh, self live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. This is what just took place. She's like, hold on a second. Look, you can send your servant wherever you want with a dead stick in his hand. I, I, I'm not going anywhere unless you're coming. What is she saying? She's saying this. She's saying, look, unless your presence goes right now with me, I ain't doing that. I'm not going anywhere. She wasn't content with the dead dry stick. Verse 31, as I went ahead of them and placed the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or sign of life. So he went back to meet Elisha and told him the boy didn't wake up. And when Elisha got to the house, he discovered the boy lying dead on his bed. So he went up, went and closed the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the boy. He put mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. And while he bent down over him, the boy's flesh became warm. Elisha got up and went into the house and placed uh, paced back and forth, and he went up, bent down over him. The boy sneezed seven times, opened up his eyes. Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. He called her, and she came. Then Elisha said, Pick up your son. She came, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground, and she picked up her son and left. Lord, I pray in the next five minutes that we have together, that Lord, you would teach us something from your word. God, I pray for those that are in this place, Lord, that feel like like, like maybe there's a, a dream they held and it's over. God, there's something they held and it's no longer there. God, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a ministry, whatever it might be this morning, Lord, I don't know, but you do. God, I pray right now that, Lord, you would speak hope and life into every heart in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go real quickly because uh, I feel like we already got a lot out of today. But I want you to walk away with a couple of things this morning if you, if you wouldn't mind. And if you're a note taker, man, jot these things down. If you have a really good memory, just, just mentally log them, whatever that is. Um, or you can just count on the fact that this is going to be on the podcast. Forget everything I say and go back and listen to it on Tuesday. All right? But here in Scripture, what we see is we see a woman 
who literally understood this principle. Somewhere along the line, she, she wanted a boy. We see that, or a child at least. We see that in Scripture because when the promise or when the, the man of God said, hey, this time next year, you're going to hold this thing, she was like, hold on a second. Don't tell me something if it ain't going to be true. In other words, this is something she longed for. This is something she wanted. But along the way in her journey, she just chalked it up to experience that it wasn't going to happen. And she got to this place of contentment, or so it would seem, that, that I don't have to hold my own child, but here's what I am going to do. I'm going to do whatever it takes to build a place for God's presence to happen. And when she got her eyes off of what she did not have and got her eyes back on, on, on him, on, on wanting the presence, man, something began to happen. And I, I believe there's probably some of you in this room that you have something tucked away in your heart. And maybe you're still in that wrestling mode in that wrestling season saying, God, this is what I really desire. This is what I really want. And yet it hasn't happened. And, and you really thought it was going to happen. I want to encourage you out of this passage this morning. Would you, would you just begin to try something? Would you begin to, to try to just shift your focus and your attention on him? And just begin to create something beautiful for him. A life where he can come and inhabit and a place where his presence can come and dwell. And in that place that you can be effective in, in not only ministering to your own life, but ministering to others. That's something, something phenomenal will happen, I guarantee it. Now, now listen to me. It might, might not be what you expected. It might not be what you, you wanted. But I guarantee you this. Everything that God does in your life is better than what you wanted. Amen, Pastor. I know it's hard to sit out there and in moments and hear a message like that. Like, whatever, you don't know what I'm doing. Telling you right now, God is good. Now listen, listen. There's there's, there's some things my, my my kids want, and we had summer plans. We talked about our summer plans, and, and they would tell me, "What do you want to do?" Well, I, I want to go to the beach. Okay, I want to go to the beach too. That's awesome. Well, I want to do this. That's awesome. And guess what, mom and dad? Did? Mom and dad planned the most amazing summer ever. Are you with me? Did we go to the beach? Yes. We're going to the beach in Hawaii in September. Come on, somebody. Right? Now, if we went to their beach, you know, we'd just, you know, throw some sand out by the pool. Like, here you go, kids. <laughs> Listen to me. The Bible says that if we, being good parents, good father, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more our heavenly father? Are you with me? Yeah. And so I'm telling you right now, whatever your dream was, whatever your desire was, and you haven't seen it, I'm telling you, if you just be willing to let it go and just focus on God, he's got something incredible for you. Good preaching, amen. Hallelujah. So this woman, she's in that place, and Elisha finds out and says, okay, this is what's going to happen. And sure enough, as he spoke, it happened. But I want you to know, like I said earlier, there's one thing to be in that position of hoping, of longing, chalking it up to experience, it's not going to happen, and then it happens. And then to hold the dream, to have the dream, to function in the relationship, whatever it is, for so long, and then like this woman, begin to have it, have it die. So just in the next few moments, I'm going to share with you just like a couple of thoughts. What do I do when the promise needs a resurrection? What do I do when the dream needs a resurrection? Like I said, it's one thing to never have it and have it birth, but it's another thing to have it resurrected. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Let me just share this with you real quickly. Just give you a couple of thoughts that you can, you can walk away with today. And I love what, uh, what happens throughout. I love what the woman does. The woman, here's the first thing she does. What do I do when my dream needs a resurrection? The 
first thing she does is she picks up her boy. After he's dead, it takes him back to where the promise started. She takes the boy back to the room that she created. She takes the boy back up there, and she lays the boy in that, that bed, in that place. And that's about all she has. Right? She shuts the door, and then she goes on to the next thing. Listen to me, it is never our job to resurrect things. Are you with me? Yeah. It's never our job to resurrect things. It's our job to go back to the place where it was initiated. And I want to I encourage you today, if there is a dream that needs a resurrection, stop trying to do CPR on it. Anybody ever been to CPR class? Yeah. Andy, Andy, you okay? Anybody been to that class, right? Some of you need to take CPR classes. Don't come down and hand me to save a life, all right? You know? Andy, are you okay? You! Call 911! Right? See, I remember my CPR classes, right? And you know, in today's age, hopefully you whip out the little handy mouth thing and you're able to put it over there. If not, you just move in faith, all right? And see, we're taught that. We're taught to work hard, and we're taught to persevere, and we're taught to press in, and we're taught to push through, and we're taught to, and all of that is good for certain things, but listen to me right now, it is never up to you and I to bring a resurrection. You can't do it, I can't do it, pastor, leaders, we can't do it. The only one that can create a resurrection in your dream, and in your life, and in your marriage, and in your children, and in your health, are you with me this morning, is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Him and Him alone that does that. We can't work for it. We can't, we, can't, we can't manipulate it. And she understood this. And so, what do you do? When the promise dies, you go back to the place where the promise originated. And we begin to get our eyes back on Him. And we begin to focus on Him. All of, all of, all of, see, the reason that some of you are tired in your, in your spiritual journey the reason that some of you are feeling like, oh man, this thing's tough. No, it's not. It's only tough because you're working for it. That's good right there. That's why you're tired. That's why it's tough. Because you're working for it. The last time I checked, you were saved by grace. And that grace, guess what? It came from Him. He did. Well, what about the faith card? Doesn't it say you're saved by grace through faith? Yes, but then you forget to read the rest of it. And it says that faith, guess what? Wasn't yours either. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, he, here's what he did. He said, I'm going to give them just a little bit of faith so that when I come with my abundant grace, they can respond with a help. Right? That's the faith I have. And that faith is just enough. And he gave it to me. And I respond. We need to go back, ladies and gentlemen, to the original. We need to stop striving, stop working, stop. Hey, you okay? We need to go back to grace. And we need to realize that his grace really is sufficient. And it's by grace and grace alone. Are you with me today? This is a great message. Get really quiet. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the, the quiet ones where it's hitting home. I don't know. I'm an extrovert, though. And so everything's got to be extroverted. We should 
beats balls flying around. That's <laughs>
And what would take place next would launch me into some of the most incredible years of my life in youth ministry. Where I not only got to minister to the hundreds of young people that were coming to our youth ministry, but God opened up doors for me to travel nationally, internationally, where I was speaking to thousands of, of young people at conferences and camps and churches. And I'll never forget, every time I would stand before those thousands and look at these young people, I would remember that word. And I was so thankful for that moment in my life where the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Because what oftentimes looks like a death is the planting of the seed. Amen. She says, no, I'm going to go to the man of God. She goes to the man of God. She gets to the man of God. And can I, can, I, can I just share this with you? You need to hear this. Oftentimes we'll get to that place where we're back to the presence. Listen to me now. Because this is sometimes where we don't understand. We'll get to that place. But I, I brought the boy back. He's in the upper room. Now I, I'm understanding we're planting a seed here. There's going to be some life springing up. And we get to the place of actually being there right there, confronted with the man of God, confronted with the presence. And sometimes God will test us to see if we'll press in and go the extra mile. That doesn't sound fair, Pastor. That doesn't sound right. Why does he do that? A lot of things I don't understand, but I see in Scripture, I'm just going to go after it. So man, the guy looks at her and says, okay, there's something going on. Looks at her, hey, take my staff and just go lay it on the boy. And she's like, what? Now, that's not what I came here for. But yet sometimes we get to that moment when the promise needs a resurrection. The reason it hasn't experienced a resurrection is because we stopped short. She said, no, I'm not going. Not unless you come. What does that tell me? We can't be satisfied with this. Man, worship! Wow, man, walking out worship was great today. Man, didn't Ben do a great job? And man, the keyboards, the background vocalist, now it's just great. And great message, Pastor. Great message, Pastor. <laughs> See, it's not fair. The worship people get to be up here, jamming, jumping around. You guys are all like, Kim, where you at? Come, Kim. You guys are preaching next week. I'm leaving worship. All right. Why were you laughing? You never heard me leave worship. It could be really good. Maybe. Some tweaking. But if we got to a place where we're content with this, telling you right now, if we would move beyond just the Sunday morning experience and we begin to press a little deeper, there you're going to discover, man, something supernatural that will begin to happen in your life. Amen. 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 Let, let me break it down to you real, real, real simple and maybe a practical manner. I work with people. Yeah. I work with people. And so I have people coming to me with different things. Hey, this is what's happening with my kid. What do I do? And I'm like, well, how old are they? are like 33. And I'm like, it's hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> In my years of youth ministry, this is what I discovered. Is I discovered this is that parents 
not in this church, but parents in other churches, they don't want to parent their children. And so what happens is, is because, hey, when they're like zero to nine, maybe it's not a big deal. But when all of a sudden you get to that place where they're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, right? And this is what they do. They come to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, I need help with my kid. Michael, have you ever disciplined them? What's that? <laughs> or I work with people and, uh, and they have problems with their marriage. And this is always the first question I ask them. They come in and they'll say, how are you doing? Well, the marriage is falling apart. It's not doing well. Okay. We've been going to marriage counseling. Marriage counseling is good. And I, I encourage people in that. But I'll ask this question. How, how often are you reading your Bible? What's that? How often are you praying together? Remember when we got married and the pastor was there? That was the last time we prayed together. And so here's where we become comfortable. We become comfortable with the staff. We become comfortable with the stick. We become comfortable with the counseling. We want to counsel our way out of everything. But sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, what you need to do is you need to press in. And you need to begin to go after God. And you need to go after His presence. And you begin to experience His presence in your life. Is somebody with me this morning? Because yeah. see, some of you are sitting out right there and you're dealing with marital issues. And you're hearing it. It's going in one ear and out the other. And you're like, I'm going to counseling. Listen to me. If you would just go after God, you could save the $90 a session. Come on, somebody. You can save all that, go after God, experience the presence of God, and then take the $90 and put it in the offering bucket. Amen! <laughs> she wasn't happy with the staff. She wasn't happy with the counseling. She wasn't happy with the... She said, no, I'm going to go after the presence of God. What do you do when the promise feeds a resurrection? And you got to go back to the place where it started. You gotta begin to look at it a little different and say, hey, look, this is no, this is not getting planted right now. And then when you're at that threshold, you need to press in and say, God, I want your presence. God, I want you. God, I want you. And here's what Gehazi did. We end right here. Look at that. 11.15. Long time. Amen. This is what he did. He laid down. Look what he does. He says that he went up and lay on the boy and put mouth to mouth eye to eye, and hand to hand. Mouth to mouth. Listen, you've got to speak what the Lord is speaking. Over your promise. He went mouth to mouth. You've got, you've got to speak. Death and life are in the power of the tongue of those that level in its fruit. Whatever looks dead, begin to speak. Are you with me this morning? But what if it's mouth to mouth it was eye to eye? Listen to me. You've got to begin to see what God is seeing. The Bible says the Proverbs are without a vision the people perish. They cast off restraint. They live carelessly. You've got to see what he's seeing. And then it says hand to hand. You've got to begin to work what he's working. Are you with me this morning? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.